Hey, good morning. Hey, this is Jack Kelly. Let's go live with Jack Kelly. Today, I want to talk about a big burning issue that I know a lot of people are dealing with and trying to figure out what to do. It's you're going on interview after interview, getting your butt kicked, nothing is happening. And you're you're at your last wits resorts. You can't like what like what is going on? Why is this happening to me? I can't take this anymore. And and for the people watching it now and who will watch it on replay as we repost it on different social media platforms, I want to start out letting you know it's it's just not you. So if you're having a hard time getting an interview, if you're hard time. They tell you, the company, hey, give us some times to have a call, so forth, and then they don't get back. You go in an interview, you don't hear feedback. You go in a bunch, bunch of interviews, don't have feedback. You hear to get that dreaded, we're going in another direction. Hey, we really like you, but... And I could go on, and you've all heard this stuff before, but I, again, I want to really hone in on this is a systemic thing that's going on now so that it's not just you so if you feel that there's a black cloud over your head if you're wondering are people sabotaging me in terms of my job search for whatever reason um or maybe just everyone hates me this way you could feel a little better knowing no this is what's going on across the board and let me be more precise it's really as it relates to, co to college graduate white collar workers, the blue collar workers, the in fact I have in my house right now, they're making bank. They're doing great. You know, frontline workers, lots of jobs available. It's, it's the white collar workers, even now with graduating, the kids who are just graduating or you graduate a year or so all the way up to mid to senior level executives. It's been very hard from late 2022 throughout 20 throughout this year. And I think in my own opinion, a big reason why this is happening is it's cost constraints for, for a decade. Plus we had low interest rates, pretty much low inflation. So it's very easy for companies to get access to funds at a cheap rate which made them kind of drunk with like sailors on leave, throwing money at it and saying, hey, let's keep hiring because we're basically borrowing money at you know 0.1% or 0.1%. So it was almost free money. And it was, a, you know, that enabled these companies to have these crazy unicorn startups, it made these big companies be able to hire, you know, just, you know, huge amounts of people that we would see having TikTok videos just dancing and singing and showing off their rooftop and their lunches and breakfasts because it, they figured, hey, a little extra extravagant, so what? We have the money for it. Now it's very different. They don't have the money for it. With high, with high inflation, with high interest rates, with borrowing costs being, borrowing costs being at like 5% or so, it's, now it's no free lunch anymore. Now companies are tightening their belt they're being really concerned about every penny and 
if there's a choice between hiring an expensive white collar college grad advanced degree person or maybe holding off they're going to hold off and and this is what we're seeing then on top of it and, and don't go don't you know i'm going to get some solutions for you at the end so i don't mean to you know but i want to kind of lay the groundwork because for a lot of people i think you're doing this solo and that's one of the toughest parts about interviewing looking for a job you know, you're you're kind of a lot of times just on your own. So you're in a little bubble. You're not sure what's going on. And then let's be frank. Oftentimes people are a little, and they shouldn't be, they shouldn't be, but they're a little, you're kind of embarrassed. They feel awkward that they're in between jobs. So they don't want to tell anybody. They want to, they don't want to share it with family members or friends or, you know, whoever they interact with because it's a hit to their identity. And then by not saying anything, A, you can't, then they can't help you, but B, you're not getting feedback from other folks because if you would continue, continually be social and get out there and engage, you would probably hear feedback from other people who are looking for a job or someone who knows someone who's looking for a job and they would share their stories and you'd feel better about yourself. When you pull back and you don't interact, you don't hear it. So now you're this lone wolf just out there by yourself feeling oh my gosh what's happening so change of economy change the way things are high inflation high interest rates cost rising companies want to keep it down throw in that we're in the holiday season which is historically slow this is what's happening this is the big picture this is the big picture so when you're interviewing when you're interviewing now, you have to know, and I would encourage, even with all the negatives I'm saying, you don't want to give up. You want to still send out resumes. You still want to network. You still want to find, you know, find that right job. It may not be right away, or maybe you can look out. It'd be, you know, you know, happen sooner than later. But what I would say is this, by understanding that things might be stacked against you for now. I think that will help you to a certain degree. So if you go into, you head into roadblocks, you have obstacles, you have challenges, at least you'll know, hey, Jack was telling me about this, that I should be aware this is going to be the norm. This is not just happening, you know, to me looking. This is going on to a whole lot of other people. So that, in a bizarre way, that gives you the self-confidence and self-esteem saying, oh, I am good. I am worthy. I do have a great background, fantastic experiences, you know, a, a, you know, a nice person, you know, all the kind of stuff you'd want. But the timing isn't perfect. The timing isn't perfect right now. But it changes. So that's why you don't want to pull out and you don't want to give up because these things come up, could, could change on a dime. Something happens, good news. Like, for instance, I started seeing recently where the, um, and we could debate whether the numbers are real or not real or, you know, whatever. But a lot of times, even if the numbers aren't real, what ends up happening, what we think will happen, that becomes the reality more so than anything else. Now, that sounds trippy, but let, let, me, let me break that down. So if you look at the inflation numbers, they're saying where it is. To me, I don't think they're true. I think there's still inflation is still high, even though the government's saying it's low. 
they're saying a lot of jobs are being created, but when you look at it, a lot of the jobs are kind of low end, low wage earners, restaurant workers, and nothing wrong with that, you know, but I'm just giving it the juxtaposition, you know, uh, restaurant workers, um, frontline as you would call them frontline people. And a lot of them not only have one job, but they're, they're not working full-time permanent. So they're part-time jobs. And a good chunk of them are juggling two or even three jobs to make ends meet. So even though they're having jobs, they're not the best jobs. But the narrative is, hey, look at all the jobs we have. Inflation is coming down. Prices are coming down a little bit. It doesn't for now, right this moment, now it could change. It, it looks like Israel and other countries are trying to figure out what to do you know, in the Middle East so it doesn't become a powder keg. We really don't hear much about the Ukraine where for a while it seems like we're going to get dragged into World War III with Russia. That seems a little off the table. Then I've noticed that the stock market has been going up and up and up and up and up. And not that the stock market is the be all and end all, but it shows that people, when you invest in a stock or bond or mutual fund or ETF, that means you have confidence in, in, in that purchase that it's going to go up. So if you see the stock market going up, that means there are a lot of people from everyday people to hedge funds to super wealthy people, they're counting on, hey, we see or foresee in the future, things are going to be better. And that's why we're buying stocks now, because we think it's going to go higher. And it has been going higher. So even if the numbers are a little fugazi, when you see the unemployment numbers and whatever, it becomes this mass psychology of, no, it looks like it's getting better, because here we're here getting better. So people feel more confident. And then as it relates to us, the companies get a little bit more confident. And when they're more confident, they're prone to say, hey, let's start a new product line. Let's, let's, let's do this deal with this other company. Let's now start this project. And with doing that, they want to hire more people. So you want to get more, so you, you want to bring in people because now you're in that growth mode. So have a heart. It's it's a little tough now. I do see these signs. And listen, I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert economist or financier, but I've spent years and years, you know, involved with this kind this kind of stuff. So you know, what I mean? so over over the course of time through osmosis, I kind of get a good feel of how this all plays together. So so knowing that, let's take a step back. Knowing that it's going to be challenging, and it's not your fault. This is how it is. Does we do see signs that things are improving? So that should give you at least a little measure more comfortable to say, hey, let me go out there and let me keep interviewing to to to, to you know, so if it if and when it does turn around, I don't want to have to start from square one and all the competitors are 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 already interviewing. You want to be in front of the crowd. Now, Chris, it probably makes sense at this point, right? Now that I sound, you know, somewhat doomy and gloomy, but not really. Be I'm just setting the stage because I do think it's going to be positive and turn around. Do you think it makes sense to kind of maybe chat a little bit about what people could do who are interviewing, who may be able to do better, and how they could do better? 
Definitely. Let's talk about it. All right. So let's do this. Uh, and, and don't get me wrong. I don't want you to feel like, um, you know, uh, I'm victim blaming, you know, that it's your fault that you're not getting the interview. What's wrong with you? Uh, and without knowing each individual circumstances, it's hard to, to, to precisely say, hey, what you need to do. But let's talk generally. So if when you're going on an interview, and trust me on this, and, and trust me on this, does the hiring manager want somebody who possess all the skills, background, experiences that's on the job description? Yes, they do. They even want more than that. However, there's a caveat. If you have, maybe not all, but a, a good reasonable amount, but you come across in the interview as upbeat, positive, happy, motivated, excited, easy, easy to work with, a nice guy or girl, you know, and you might scoff at that at first think, what? That's not what no one tells me that everyone tells me the opposite. They want you to have all the skills and do that. Well, they're wrong. They're wrong. I mean, well, they're partly wrong. I mean, do they want all the skills and somebody who has the personality and the charm and the charisma and the niceness and the hardworking ethos? Of course. A lot of times you don't have both. But if you do have enough of the criteria that they're looking for, plus you could come across charismatic, charming, likable, an interesting person, a fun person to be around. Somebody also who exudes a certain amount of confidence. And we, you know, we've all seen people like that where if someone walks into a room and either you find a vibe shift change when they come in, like you get, I don't know, weirded out by their aura. And again, don't laugh at me. Like this is this, this, this stuff is real, whether you believe it or not. It is where you can just the mood changes. It always feels like the temperature in the room changes. Other times somebody comes in and all of a sudden it's it, it improves the room. And there's something about that person when they come in, they have this intrinsic kind of ability to get people to like them and to lighten up and 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 just to turn everything around in a more positive way now how does this how does this relate to your interviewing it relates this way if you go into an interview and i've seen this so many times maybe you had a hard time with your past employer or maybe you're still there, but you're trying to leave, that you're sick and tired of your coworkers. You feel you were taking advantage of. You feel that they really ripped you off when it came time to compensation and raises and bonuses and promotions and all that. Then you bring that to the interview. Now, you don't purposely do that. But what happens is you're you're carrying that weight with you. You're, you're bringing that, you know, you're bringing all that, simmering resentment and anger and frustration at your boss or your current boss and your current or prior coworkers, all, all, all the stuff like that just was just driving you crazy. And you're going in to this new interview and just, just it's, you, you, you haven't dealt with it. 
So now when you're, when you're speaking with a hiring manager and others in back of your mind or really in front of your mind, you're, you're thinking, how are they going to screw me over? Hmm. Whatever they say, you're going to give a look like, hmm, like you're distrusting them, right? Like they say something because now you're, you're like kind of once bitten, twice shot. So I can't blame a person, right? So they're going to go and interview and they're going to be like, hmm, hmm. Instead of like, hey, this is great. Hey, hey, all excited. And I've seen this, you, 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 get, you know, you would think it doesn't happen, but it's very common. We have a person who has like 10, 15, 20 years of experience. They go into an interview and basically they think, because I've been doing this for 10, 15, 20 years, I'm awesome. I'm fantastic. And I don't have to really demonstrate why I'm fantastic. You should know that because I'm so fantastic. So on both cases, it's the case where someone is coming in and bringing their baggage from the past, or they feel, I am so important, and I am so good at what I do. How dare you not know what, what I'm all about? And if you don't know that, forget it. And if you think I'm exaggerating, trust me. Oh, my God. You have to see sometimes, especially especially pre-COVID, when you're sitting across you know, at a table having a conversation with someone and you could just feel that they're just so arrogant. They're just so full of themselves. They feel they're the best person in this job, you know, in this sector, you know, you're better than everyone else. Now it could all be true. It could all be true, right? You can be the best at what you do, right? You could be awesome. You could be fantastic. But if you come across like an a-hole, you come across as a jerk, you kind of come across condescending, you come across suspicious, you come across angry, you come across resentful, that is not going to work. Not only is that not going to work, it's going to alienate everybody you speak with. Why? Because think about it in, in your own personal life. If you have somebody, a, fr a friend, family member, someone you just meet, and they just just complaining and grumbling and unhappy and snapping and just just bitter and you know those kind of people everything is like yeah me 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 this like that's their thing now if you're hiring someone do you want that do you want somebody who's a nitpicker somebody who's just just looks to find fault looks to find like oh aha so you don't offer this and you didn't tell me that. What else are you not telling me about? Like always on the aggressive, always trying to find a problem when there's not a problem. They don't want that. I mean, as much as people lampoon managers and oftentimes they deserve to be lampooned, but most of the time they don't. They're human beings. They're just trying to do their job and to, and, and, and the, the, to do their job they want to hire somebody who's normal. And when I say normal, meaning nice, hardworking, has ethics, polite, personable, maybe has a little gift of gab and can tell a funny joke once in a while. That's what they want. It's not asking much out of life. Someone who could do the job, but someone who, if I'm going to, you know, the boss is thinking, if I'm going to work with this person, you know, five days a week, 
eight hours a day plus. I'd rather work with somebody who's motivated, who's happy, who's not bitter, who's not angry. And it just makes sense. So when I, I, I think this is probably the most important thing to, to, to check on yourself. I would say either do it on your own or if you have some trusted people, it could be your spouse, your partner, it could be your best buddy, it could be whoever, people that you trust, that you could you could talk to them and share how you like how you come across. How, because I would bet oftentimes the same way a person could come across like a pain in the butt in an interview, they probably do the same thing in real life. Probably not a it's not a hundred percent correlation, but I imagine there's a correlation between the two. So I would ask people you respect and trust their opinions to maybe role play some interview questions. And also to role play just just chatting a little bit, just to see the tone. Because what happens a lot when a person is in between jobs, maybe they were laid off in the past. Maybe they're they're worried about getting lost, getting laid off now. They have like these fresh wounds, so everything could kind of really set them off, and it's hard to repress those feelings. So by having conversations with trusted people, they can then give you feedback, insights, constructive criticisms. It used to be that way. In recruiting, when I first started recruiting, that's exactly how it was. Where, you know, let's say, you know, Christine is my candidate. I would say to the hire manager because it wasn't as formal back then. You know, hey, what are you really looking for? I know we have the job description, but like, really, what's important? What's not important, and so forth. And then they would give you all sorts of tips to help out the candidate. Then they would also give tips about okay. You're going to meet with George and Fred and Susan. Susan likes the Jets. Fred likes the Giants and so forth. Give them little tidbits. So when you interview, you could kind of have icebreakers. So you could kind of start out on the right foot. But then after the interview, they would give constructive criticisms and feedback. They would say, they would say to me, Jack, the recruiter, hey, Jack. Can you tell Christine, she see, you know, I'll make this up. Like in the interview, she's sitting there with her head down, just writing notes. Um, I get that. I respect that. But, you know, the hiring manager felt very uncomfortable because, you know, you know, you want to make eye contact. You want to see their body language. You want to feel you're having a back and forth and they're actively listening as we're, as you know, the interview is talking. But if you just heads down writing, you can't tell. So maybe for the next interview, and I know, and I respect the fact if you want to take notes, I get it. But maybe for the next one, don't do it and let's see how that goes. So they would give constructive advice, what to do and what not to do to help out. That doesn't happen anymore. Maybe it happens a little bit, but it really doesn't happen anymore. So what I would suggest by having your trusted advisors to weigh in and don't get mad at them if you don't like what they say, because you need 
you need to make sure when you go into that interview, you with a clear mind, you're feeling confident. And even if you're kind of not completely confident, you got to psych yourself up to be, you know, to be that way. Even if you're mad about what happened at your last employer, or you're ticked off why you feel you have to leave now, you got, you got to suppress that for now. You got to put it away. It's not like psychoanalysis and psychiatry where they'll tell you, oh no, you can't suppress this. You got to talk about it. There's a time and place for everything. Maybe on the couch of a psychiatrist, you could do that. But when you're interviewing, push it all down. <laughs> and you want to put on that positive winner attitude. You don't want to phony it up. You want to come across authentic and genuine. But at the same time, you don't want to come, you don't want them to see that lingering anger, fear, desperation, frustration, because it's a media turnoff. So I, that's the, that's like the first step where most people flail because they just don't think about it. They just come in and they're thinking about, have a good shake, handshake, but now we don't really do that with Zoom calls or, you know, they're thinking about, oh, what question do I ask at the end of the interview? They don't think about the stuff I'm talking about, which is the real things that real people want and don't want. And I believe that this is not covered as much because it doesn't sound, in a way, it sounds weird because you want to feel if you're interviewing for a job, who cares? You should just, you know, if you have all the ingredients, you get the job. But that's not how it works in life. It doesn't. Now, for some people, sure, of course. But a lot, it goes back. I like this person. I feel good about this person. I think I, you know, I have a good vibe about this person. I feel this person is going to be successful. Or it's that I just, I think, I think the other person, that other candidate is going to drive me crazy. They're always going to be unhappy. They're always going to be complaining. There's always going to be an issue. There's always going to be an argument. There's always going to be something that they're running to HR to get you in trouble. And of course they don't want that. So that. That's the first step. And be honest with yourself. There's no, there's no reason to lie or pretend. If you've been coming across in the ways I'm talking about, it's okay. And this is why I'm doing this. So you'll know for the next time not to do it. And maybe no one told you this before. And this is the first time. So it's okay. You could course correct. There's time. So that's the first thing. Another thing is you want to get... You want to have what they call is an elevator pitch. And I think most people are familiar with that. It's where you're able to, in a short period of time, concisely say, here's who I am. Here's what I do. Here are my current responsibilities. Here's my prior responsibilities. And these are the, this is the, re these are the reasons why I'm now looking for a job or looking for this particular job. So it's, it's, it's a pitch. It's just like a commercial on TV. It's, it's like a politician who's giving their talking points. You want to hone a really good elevator pitch that says all about yourself. You know, you want to make it nice and easy. You don't, you're not going back to when you're delivering papers, when you're, you know, in high, in middle school or something. You want to go and start where you are now so you can set the stage where you are now and what you do now, because that's what they care most about, like what you're doing right now at this period of time. 
what are your responsibilities? What are your achievements? What are your wins? What are your victories? What are you awesome at? You know, why you're, you know, what are some great things and so forth? You want to, you want to be able to kind of say that, then add a little what you did before, but not a lot because it's focusing on kind of the current. They're going to look at that unless you've only been in the job like six months or nine months or whatever a year. But let's say you're there for two, three, four years. That's the really meat of it. But then you want to add maybe a little bit of maybe your last position and before that, depending, depending on what you did. If you did something like, like super, super cool, amazing, two jobs ago, you want to kind of shoehorn that in. If, you know, your prior job, you were doing super amazing. Yeah, you want to do that. But don't spend too much time on it. You want to be, okay, here's what I'm doing now. Walk them through. You want to tailor it to the job description, what they need, what they want. A little bit about your past job, a little bit before that. Then you want to have something to say about why you specifically want this job. When companies are hiring, they prefer people who like the company, like their mission statement. There's something about the job itself, the position, the person with whom you're going to work with. <clears throat> so it's, it's smart to do some homework on all these things. You need to research the company, meaning use any, the, any of the AI platforms you use or Google to find out as much as you can about the company. You wanna stalk online the interviewers, and I'm saying that tongue in cheek stalking, because you just want to know about the company, their financial situation, what they're about. You want to know their products, their services. You want to know the, the interviewers have a good, a little bit of a sense where they went to school, maybe where they live, maybe what jobs they held before. So this way you kind of feel comfortable when you, when you meet them because you already know a little bit about them. Hey, they also live in New Jersey. Oh, and they went to the same school I did and they had the same major and they also root for, you know, the giants or whatever it may be. So then you have this kind of, oh, all right, I got this icebreaker. I, you know, I, I think I, we may have a lot of connections together. So you want to kind of come in, having that elevated pitch, who you are, what you're about, what you're looking to do, doing your homework. because. If you come into the interview and they ask, oh, so Jack, you know, why this company? And you don't have a really good answer, except I just want a job, which is for most people, that's the truth. But even though it's the truth, real life, just because it's the truth doesn't mean it's going to work. So you need to have a reason why you want this particular job and a good reason. Then if they ask about like, oh, what do you know about us? You have to be prepared with having a couple of things that you know about. Maybe, maybe uh, let's say, let's make something up. It's a retailer, a fashion retailer. You want to be able to talk all about like, oh, I love fashion. That's why I'm interested. I'm, I'm, I've been into fashion since I was a little kid. And, you know, I love this. And you have this brand that you just launched and it's amazing. I bought that for my, you know, wife, sister, brother or whatever. It has to be real. You know, you can't be BSing this. It has to be real so that the interviewers realize, wow, this person gets us. 
you know, he or she really did their homework or they just really know this company well, that ingratiates yourself with the interviewers. Conversely, if they ask you about like, hey, what's our company do? And I, I got to tell you, this happens a lot when they say, hey, you know, you know, what, what do you like about the company? What do you know about the company and so forth? And they're like, um, I think you do X or I think you do Y. And it's like, oh, geez, don't say that. Because then it shows like you don't care. You know, you're just you're just looking for any old job. And then you're going to say, well, Jack, I am looking for any old job. I just need a job. Yeah, but this is a freaking game. This is you got to play the game. They, they want somebody who, who, who is interested and motivated. Think about, you got to think about yourself if you're the hiring manager. Do you want somebody who's just window shopping or do you want someone who really wants to buy and say, hey, this is, this is where I want to be. I've always wanted to be at this company. This is fantastic. And it makes a big difference. You want to also have, you don't have, I want to put it politely. What ends up happening a lot is when you're interviewing, you turn into this like robot, this corporate drone. They'll ask a question, you answer a question. They ask a question, you answer a question. And this happens all the time is where you fall into this just, you lose your, 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 your whole true self. So when you when you're in this conversation, you want to be your genuine, authentic self, rather than stressing and waiting for the dreaded. At the end of the question, at the end of the interview, do you have any questions for me? Ask organically questions throughout the whole time period. You want to ask questions. Don't overdo it. But you want to ask questions when you really have a question. You know, when, when they're saying something and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Hey, I'm not sure you mentioned, you know, one, two, and three. I, I've never heard of that. Can you, can you elaborate and help me with what that is? Now, most people are embarrassed to do that. They feel if they ask a question, that means like they don't know anything. No, it's just that it might, there's always going to be certain things you don't know and be human. And if you're not sure, you could ask, hey, I'm not familiar with this concept or I'm not familiar with this. Can you, can you walk me through it? Can you explain it a little bit and so forth? And then you're, you're, by having these conversations, it's more organic. It's more real. And then when they see you like asking organic questions, real questions, they start doing it as well. And this has worked really well for me as a recruiter interviewing people, but then also, you know, writing for Forbes and interviewing top executives. And also with that, uh, you know, with my podcasts and, the, you know, the Blind Ambition podcast, podcast that I do too with senior level execs in the tech field. I put my ego aside. And if I don't understand some of the terminology if I don't understand, you know, some concept, I have no qualms to be like the third grader to say, I don't understand this. Well, can you walk me through it? And nine and a half times out of 10, when you do that, they're more than happy to explain it to you because 
they are knowledgeable and they want to show off how knowledgeable they are. So don't turn into this like robotic, if you've been doing this robotic kind of person and just yes, no, waiting for the end for questions. You want to keep that dialogue throughout the whole thing. How's that so far? Chris, what do you think? Doing great. I think it's important to also recognize that that constant rejection from interviewing, it can take a major toll on your self-confidence. So while you're doing all these practical things like working on your resume, reaching out to a recruiter, um, practicing your elevator pitch, it's also important to do things that will help build back up your self-esteem to do things that you love and are good at to get back into that winning mindset and remind yourself that you are skilled and you are talented. Yeah, hundred percent. So that's, you know, where we're heading is that as Chris is mentioning, in addition to, okay, here's what you have to practical terms. And then also you're taking a hit. Let's be real. Everyone wants to ace the interview. They want to get that job. They want to come home and brag about, hey, I got this job. I'm a VP at this investment bank and I'm making this kind of money. Yeah, you know. But when it doesn't happen, it's deflating. Your ego is hurt. Your self-confidence erodes. So what are, so as Christine mentioned, the big thing to do is to, 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 to kind of well, the first thing was like what we just talked about, right? Just to kind of, to make sure like, all right, here's some of the things maybe you're doing and you just have to change it. It's like, let's say, you know, you have a coach in baseball and the way you're batting is like, no, 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 no. And they, they you know, take you, get behind you, you know, make sure you're holding the bat the right way, you know, and so forth. And yeah, you just need those tweaks. So we were working on those, right? We're working on all those tweaks. And now as Chris is saying, it's a huge part too, is, is the mindset game. You, if you lose that confidence and lose that self-assurance, people smell that on you. They feel it. It's hard to hide it. So yeah, you need to do certain things to boost your confidence up. For instance, let's say, I don't know, you play a sport, tennis, pickleball, hockey, whatever. And if you're good at it make sure you play a lot of that pickleball, hockey, soccer, whatever it is that you're good at because you want to notch wins. If you kind of maybe getting some L's on, on the interviewing, but you're doing really well in whatever other endeavors you're working on. So you want to find those things that you're good at whatever the hobby is, no matter what, it could be trading stamps, who, whatever, but something that you like to do, good at doing, and you could ring up some, some successes because each little success makes you feel a little stronger, a little better. And then it gives you a little bit more confidence. And then you find something else to do. Another thing is to get out and socialize with people because that's going to make you feel better. Well, you got to write the, the right kind of people you're going to socialize with. You have to find the right people who are uplifting, who are positive. Same way we're talking about, you know, how you should be in a job search. You want to come out, you, you want to work with people who are 
you know, I mean, interact and go, go out for dinner, beer, a play, a show, a game, whatever, who, who are on your side, who are supportive. So then you realize, hey, okay, I'm feeling better. You know, I have a whole, you know, a lot of friends who are really helping me out. Spend time with your family who love you. Unconditional love. So this way you feel, all right, all right. So I didn't do well on this interview. But like, I have my family that loves me, my little cat and dog that loves me. I have a support group of friends. You know, I'm doing really well in my fantasy football. You know, we're having a great time with my buddies. And so it helps elevate you by feeling, okay, in this one sector of, the, of my life where I'm interviewing, it's not going so well, but that's okay. Look, I'm grateful and appreciative in all the other aspects of my life. And you have to remember that because oftentimes we just dwell on that negative thing that didn't work out well. And you get into a slump and, you, and, you, and you're just feeling awful. You have to, when you see that happening, nip it in the bud, then start thinking of everything you're appreciating in life. And maybe even write it down every day to remind yourself that there's more things to life than an interview. And that by, by doing these other things, it's going to improve your self-confidence. It's going to make you feel better mentally and emotional. Your well-being will improve. So then when you go back and start to interview, you're going to go in stronger, better, knowing what to do, and you'll come out ahead. So I, I hope this helps. I'll throw in a couple of other things too. Just, just, just kind of jumped ahead a little bit. You know, you also want to make sure, you know, your resume is up to date and it's, it's, it's irrelevant for the job you're doing. You want to look at, make sure your LinkedIn profile is all up to date. Your photo isn't 20 years old. Um, your social media footprint isn't something that if someone looks at it, they're going to cringe and say, oh, Jack, he's crazy. What is he writing on social media? I'm never going to hire him. You know, you want to take a look at that too. So those would go back to the practical stuff. But I think this is kind of a good overview of how to keep getting, you know, when you keep getting your butt kicked in these interviews, now we understand why this is happening. It's not you. It's a systemic thing because of the economy and inflation and high interest rates and high costs. Now you also know there's things that maybe I should work at that maybe I didn't know I was doing in terms of how I come across my demeanor, the way I talk, the way I speak, the way I maybe be like, you know, you know, the you know, body language, facial language. Uh, I have to watch out for that. And then also ring up the winds and 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 pay attention to everything that's good in your life so you could count the balance. You know, when you go through so little rocky road and you could look at that mountain of appreciation and goodness that you have in your life to balance it out and feel like, hey, okay, this is going to be a challenge, but I'm up for it. So I, I hope this helps. I hope uh, this gave some color, some context, some insider perspective of why this is going on. And now I think we've armed you with things to do. And as always, feel free, if you have any questions, to put it into the chat. If you have any ideas for topics in the future, put in the chat. Um, any, any suggestions, ideas, what have you, any way we could help, 
keep us posted. So thank you very much for watching and have a great day and see you later on. Bye-bye.